0: Ask yourself these two questions. What are you afraid of and what are you doing or not doing because of that fear? The answer to those questions will be the first step in this journey. Hello and welcome. This is Self-Control, How to Build a Better Life, the podcast that will inspire you to take control of your mind and your mindset, to go forward and build the life that you want to live, the life that you deserve to live. This episode is the second in a four part series about partnering with our ego, healing a wounded ego, moving to a place of less stress, less anxiety, better emotional control, healthier relationships and higher self-esteem. So if you're just tuning into this episode, I would recommend going back listening to the episode just just released before this one because it's gonna set up the entire three-step process that episode is essentially number one. This is number two. So please, if you're looking to maybe get an overview of this three-step process that we're going through, listen to that one. It's going to lay it out for you. If you've listened to it or you're going to ignore that and just continue on, welcome. I should say that when it comes to things like extreme trauma, when it comes to things that require uh, a lifetime of, of psychological help, um, a lifetime of rebuilding, um, this podcast can't do that for you. Um, I have no psychological credentials. Everything I'm speaking on here is purely experiential, as in this is these are things that I've lived and I'm extrapolating that wisdom for you. Um, I, I would really like to think that this, if you have suffered some amount of loss or trauma, you're dealing now with problems of the ego, problems of emotions, problems with relationships, that this podcast could could at least get some food for thought in your mind. It could be something, a tool to add to your toolkit to the work that you're already doing. So in this episode, we're going to talk about some common signs of an unhealthy ego. You know, I'll I'll talk about my own experience there to try and bring some life into those examples. Talk about the consequences of that. Like what does it look like to have a runaway ego, to have a wounded ego? What did I experience? How did I come to know this? And then most importantly, obviously, we're going to talk about what kind of work can you do to start the process of healing your ego, improve that mental turmoil? You know, if you've got unhealthy relationships, if you have a lack of progress, you're not getting where you want to be, it's worth examining what is going on with the ego part of your mind. And we're going to, like I say, discuss some some work that you can do, some behaviors you can begin today, if you like, to start that journey, to start addressing that fear and addressing uh, what is holding you back in life. Now, but first, you might be wondering, as I was, what the hell is the ego anyway? Yeah, I think one of the best ways that I've heard to to conceptualize the ego, to think about what the ego is, think of it as if it's your inner storyteller. It's generating your story. It's telling the narrative of your life. And it's creating through that story your identity. Who you believe yourself to be comes largely through the ego. It's important to note though that The ego is just one part of our consciousness and it places us as a character in a story which is in a way the first step to sort of losing control over our story and in that we don't know necessarily subconsciously how that story is being written until we're willing to to do the work and and look back on it you know the ego shapes our perceptions it shapes our emotion it shapes our, our reaction to the world around us i think it's just a useful concept to start to talk about gaining self-control in our life, which I imagine uh, that's why you're here. That's why I'm here. So the ego constantly comments on our actions and the actions of others. It's it's evaluating, it's comparing, it's judging. Now, most importantly, the ego actually uses our past experiences to assume what's coming next. Our ego keeps us safe. It helps us navigate this crazy world. It helps us get what we want in a socially acceptable way. It mediates between the inner and outer world, but it does so by making us a character in a story. As an example, it's not it's not un uncommon, let's say, to suffer some form of injury and then whatever activity, whatever person, whatever circumstances led to that injury that you would then avoid that person that's a real simple example of how the ego takes information in and goes whoa that part of the world is scary we don't need to go over there that could be for the better right the ego's job is to keep us alive but it could be for the worse and that okay we we suffered we had an injury we recovered should we should we shut that part of our life out whether that's some form of physical exercise that's you know taking on some some new challenge that could be helpful or hurtful to us in the in the short term but Beneficial in the long run. Anyway, you can see how the ego formulates a story, places us in it, and says, we need to keep this guy safe. The things that we don't like, the things that seem to work against us, get away from them, get away from them. So let's ask ourselves, why don't you ask yourself right now, what story has your ego written for you? You know, quite often the ego writes a story about struggle, about insecurities, about ways in which we have lost control and are now seeking to get it back or ways in which we desire validation, right? Acceptance from other people. The ego's primary task in our mind is to keep us alive. So to do that, it emphasizes negative information for our attention, right? It's like, look at that, look at that, look at that, that could hurt you, that could hurt you, that could hurt you, stay away from that. It looks at past experiences as an indicator of what's to come, right? If you royally screwed up a presentation at school or or at work, public speaking might become a real problem for you if you failed at it once before, but you could see then what what it would look like to rewire this part of our life and say okay i failed here at public speaking can i go back to the drawing board and can i try it again that would require a healthy ego that would require maybe getting some criticism from outside watching your presentation back on video god forbid as well our ego builds our identity based on what we've done and what we have that's why we're so at times if we have a runaway ego or an unhealthy ego we can be resistant to change, resistance to starting something new. It's like, well, I'm very good and I'm very comfortable where I'm at now. To, to go somewhere else and try something new would require pain and shame and humiliation and failure and a lack of knowledge. I don't want to do that, so I resist that. And we're also very resistant to giving things up sometimes, Right doing away with bad habits, doing away with the comfort of our current life. That's that's the ego at play, keeping us alive, keeping us centered, keeping us in that story where this is who I am, this is what I do. We don't change too much because outside of these boundaries is pain. You know, our ego seeks to keep us from vulnerability. It, it will worry us to no end with overthinking. Should I do this? Should I do this? Should I do this? And it really can have us believing that who we were in the past and who we are right now is who we shall forever be and we've got to keep that identity locked. Okay, so now that we have a sense of what the ego is doing for us and in our mind for better or for worse and we should say in some sense there are benefits to having and benefits to having a healthy ego, right? One that can take in criticism, one that can be vigilant about what's going on around us, but when that tends into a fear of criticism, a hypervigilance where everything is a threat, That's an indication of an unhealthy ego. Now that we're starting to get a sense of how the ego works, let's look at some signs and symptoms that it might be time to deal with your ego, heal your ego, and form a partnership with your ego. This is what I did. So, or at least it's what I'm doing. I'm no great guru who's reached the end. I'm I'm just a few steps down the road. But how about a quick story about how this all started for me? So, as I mentioned last episode, I had a fairly traumatic experience as a young child. I had a minor, not uncommon birth defect, but it did require surgery. And you know, from that moment on, from the, the pain of recovering from the surgery, my ego began to write that story about me. Well, life was going fine for a few years, and then all of a sudden, all this pain, something was wrong with me. I'm I'm injured. I'm compromised. I'm different than others. Uh, life can Life can go to hell. Life can become pain in the drop of a hat. I mean... You put all this trust in your parents when you're three, four years old, and all of a sudden, what? Surgery? What? Pain? Something wrong with me? Can I not trust these people? I'm different than other people. I was screwed over by life. Right? I began to feel a sense of shame and uncertainty around who I was, around my body. And I think as life went on, this manifested as, as definitely a shyness, a fear of taking on new experiences, a fear of meeting people, definitely a struggle to make eye contact with people, a fear of the outside world that, oh, suddenly, like I say, everything can go to hell in a handbasket and become quite painful at the drop of a hat. The, The simple life I knew was taken from me. So what does that tell me about the world? And what fell out of all of that was this seeking, 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 to have control. I lost control of my body in a sense. I lost control of how I felt in my body. My body became a place of pain. Uh, For instance, I found that overeating, for one, when I was very young, was a great way to bring back pleasure and control to my body. I I see it now so clearly, but it took me years to get there, where it became a way for me to bring pleasure to myself, me to control my body, me to control how I felt when Coming from a place that story, the ego was telling was, "Hey, look, you lost control, and you were, and pain was inflicted upon you." Eating is a pretty fun way to uh, take back a little control, take back a little pleasure. And you know, later in life, this this ego story it kind of went away, and then came back later in life as I hadn't properly addressed it. I suppose I withdrew socially from time to time. You know, I wouldn't go out to parties; I would just run away by myself or run away with one friend you know, use alcohol, use marijuana in in privacy almost. And when I did go out, I was so obsessed with being seen a certain way. I craved attention and validation from other people. Uh, You know, it was either that or I would drink to excess, uh, use marijuana to excess to sort of dissociate from the social experience because, again, I figured all that pain that I experienced that was inflicted upon me by the outside world, it must exist out there in other people and that's what we call projection. If I could control how others saw me or didn't see me, I could then take back some control of myself or so I thought. So this experience of mine, I think it really highlights two major ways in which the ego takes what it learns from your experiences and begins to write a story and begins to inform you of who you are. And those two ways are defense mechanisms and protective identities. So let me ask you now, Has some past trauma, injury, abuse, loss, misfortune led to a chapter in your story written by your ego where you are now weak, afraid, vulnerable, out of control? You're some kind of freak? Ask yourself that now or or after the episode. Has your ego written a chapter of your story now where because of something that happened to you out of your control, or or perhaps you were responsible uh, but you suffer the consequences? Trauma, injury, loss, abuse, misfortune, something. Has something happened to you where now you are starting to believe that as a result, you are weak, you're afraid, the world is a big, bad, mean, scary place that judges you and inflicts pain on you. You're vulnerable to it now. You're some kind of freak. You're different. You've been screwed over. It's worth thinking about. It's worth thinking about. It took me many years to get there, but I did have to ask those questions of myself. And I would also ask you too, as a result are you now striving to take back control in your life in ways that are unhealthy? And that was the case for me. You you saw it with, as I said, my overeating drugs and alcohol. It's not uncommon. It's not uncommon for us to lose control in one way through a traumatic experience to put that in the back of our mind somewhere and now go forward saying, look, I got to take control of something because I lost control back there and I did not like that. So whew, let me shove my, let me shove bagels into my face and, and smoke three joints. At least <laughs> now I'm feeling all right. So ask yourself, are you striving to take back control in ways that are unhealthy? Let's let's dig into a few of those. I have a list here of 11 defense mechanisms and 10 protective identities that our ego creates and those come in the in the fallout or in the in the days, weeks, years, months after a traumatic experience or failure or loss, 11 defense mechanisms and 10 protective identities. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I am going to make that list available to you. There'll be a link in the show notes. So, you know, hopefully if what I'm about to talk to isn't resonating, you can go through and say, hey, here's one that he didn't mention that I see on this list that I can now start to think about. And again, I'm not a therapist. This is not psychology. This is simply me trying to communicate some information to you. So we understand now how our ego is writing the story of our life. And if you're like me and you suffered some form of trauma or a painful experience of any kind, the ego is now going to add that into the story. It says, hey, this world is scary. It can hurt us. I I had my control taken away from me. We've got to take back control somehow. A big part of the way that we do this sometimes is defense mechanisms, right? And for, as I said, I've got a list of defense mechanisms you can check out. I want to touch on just two quickly. For me, a huge one was projection. I assumed that, you know, because I felt ashamed about myself, because I felt uh, un, un, or insecure, let's say, about my body. I developed body dysmorphia. I started to feel um, like an alien in my own being. And I I had a lot of regret and a lot of wishing I looked a certain way, wishing I was a certain way. Well, I assume then that all of that must exist in the outside world too. I mean, after all, that's where the problem came from. So I assume that people look down upon me, that people judge me, that people didn't want to be around me, didn't take me seriously, didn't like me, I couldn't fit in. And there's always going to be a certain percentage of that in life. But looking back now with a certain amount of rational hindsight, I could see, well, a lot of that I made up, a lot of opportunities I let pass by, a lot of experiences I did didn't take, you know. I didn't put myself fully out into the world because I assumed that the world was a place that wouldn't receive me. When I, I think, if I could say anything now, it's that the grand sort of uh, wonder of, of the world is that the world will receive you when you're putting yourself out there authentically. And as you grow to be older and stronger, you'll realize that that what doesn't serve you or accept you really doesn't matter. It's it's of no consequence to you. So it's easy for me to say that now, but again, that came from that ego ego-created defense mechanism that said, hey, the world's big and mean, and every single person around is probably pretty mean too. Now, another big one was, and this is huge, I think, for a lot of people, they call it, uh, the list that I saw, they call it displacement. And that's basically taking that emotional pain that you feel because of the incident, because of that, what, what your ego has now told you about what happened, and putting it into other things, like channeling it into strange places. And I think you know, if, if emotional outbursts or mood swings, poor emotional control is part of your problem, think about displacement. Now, has something happened to you that really bugged you, really hurt you, really bothered you, and now you're just going to take it out on the dog or take it out on your partner or take it out on someone's car or take it out in road rage, whatever that may be. That pain, that emotion has to be processed and again I'm I'm, I can't coach you all the way through it but it's worth thinking about this idea of displacement I know I did this I remember one time I I don't know what the hell I was thinking I this was really before working (laughs) online side hustles were really a thing and I put my credit card number online thinking there was some course or some job opportunity I was going to get and it later was found out to be a scam and I you know, it's not the end of the world. You could cancel the credit card. You could, you could do something. You're going to, it wasn't worth doing what I did, which was two hand fisting a gigantic hole in my drywall, you know, three or four feet or five feet, <laughs> feet high. It wasn't about the credit card, was it? It was, it was that old traumatic experience coming back to haunt me. Where I said, oh my God, I can't believe I screwed something up. And that triggered, triggered that response to pound a hole in the wall. A great example of displacement. So it's worth asking yourself, are there defense mechanisms that I'm putting up to reassert control in my life in, in weird ways? It's very easy to say, well, I, I don't know, the, the world has hurt me, so now I'm gonna just assume everything about the world, right, that's projection. Again, talking about displacement. I had no control over my emotion. I had no control over what happened to me back as a kid. The best I can do is bash a hole in the wall and maybe feel a little bit better. So ask yourself, what defense mechanisms are you doing? And and definitely check out the list that I'll link to in the show notes. Now, second to defense mechanisms is this idea of forming a protective identity. And the idea of a protective identity is that it, it doesn't allow you to fully authentically portray yourself or bring yourself to the world. And that was a huge problem in my case. And it's something I'm still working on. You know, because of shame or guilt or fear, I became, well, I'll give you a couple, a people pleaser, and that's still something I struggle with today. That's right. Putting the needs and the feelings of other people before your own. How about being a joker or a clown, right? Always with a joke, always with a quip, never wanting to get into uh, into the real nitty gritty, never wanting to connect with people, hoping that if you can just make people laugh, uh, they will they won't think too much more about you. Another big one, Possibly why you're here, this idea of becoming a perfectionist or an overachiever. That is a protective identity that your ego is creating for you. In the in the face of perhaps a traumatic experience or whatever reason, that idea of perfectionism is like, well, I've lost control in, in this aspect of my life. Something happened to me where I where I was deeply, deeply pained and injured. I now know that I need to take control of. Of every single thing in front of me, and I need to do it the best I possibly can. And we all know that's possible. But when you start to think of these defense mechanisms and these protective identities as ways in which we look to take control of our life, take control of our experience in ways that are extreme, ways that are impossible. You know, another one was uh withdrawing completely socially right being a recluse a lot of it was tied to that fear of the outside world fear of being judged fear of having to go through the steps that any normal human being in the human race would go through and possibly being judged possibly being critiqued possibly having to be vulnerable and learn something well all of that sounds crazy all of that sounds like out of my control at least i can control that i just stay home So check those lists and ask yourself, what defense mechanisms have I put up for myself and what protective identity am I living? What has been written into my story? This character that I've become in my own story, what's he all about? And once you've done that, we can start to talk now about what the hell we can do about it. This first step, it's about understanding. And understanding for me, it really came from observing myself. Now, you have the benefit here of getting a guided process. These three steps based on my years of worldly experience. But, you know, when I started this process, I really didn't realize what I was doing. In a way, I kind of stumbled into it. And, you know, to be completely honest, I was stoned one night about five years ago. And I started journaling. And I just haven't stopped. And boy, am I glad that that one night I was possessed to start journaling. Because to me, the best way to observe ourselves is through journaling. And not only that, but what it does is it, it allows us to take control of our story. It allows us to sort of take back control of our story and into our larger consciousness. The ego is just one part of our existence, one part of our consciousness, one part of our mind. Why let him have all the fun writing the story? You can now, with a notebook and a pen, and the rest of your consciousness, start to write your story. And I mean this. Get a notebook, get a pen, write your life story day by day, every day. Be brutally honest. Be completely open about what you're doing, thinking, saying, what you're succeeding, what you're failing, what you're thinking all your dirty, messed up thoughts have to go onto this page if you really want to get a hold of your ego. And you might say, well, I'm, I'm actually, I'm not a good writer, so I don't write. It's like, exactly right. You're not a good writer because you don't write. When your life story is at stake, when your better life is coming, or a better life is what you want, you will become a damn good writer by writing that life story every day. I have no question about it. I really cannot think of any acceptable excuse to not starting a journal unless you physically cannot write. In that case, I'd suggest perhaps doing voice notes on your phone, doing a vlog video, start a podcast where you just talk into a camera. You need to start taking a record of your life, take back the control of your story into your own conscious control. Not not the ego, because a lot of what the ego does, if not all, is out of your control. It's on a subconscious level, I, I would say. So here's a chance now not to change your life, but to actually take control over something that you can control, how you think about your life. And if you're not sure where to start, like I say, start with the mundanity, the day-to-day, the, the quotidian, sorry for the $10 words. Start with what's going on. How'd you sleep? How are you eating? What'd you say? What'd you think? Who'd you see? What'd you get right? what did you get wrong? How'd you, how'd you sleep? Uh, who's, who's bugging you? what did you watch on TV? Fill up that page with your life. It's your life. Tell the story however you want. Develop a voice. And if you're feeling a little extra oomph, then I would say explore this idea of a defense mechanism. Explore the idea of this protective identity, right? It's like, oh man, I I am a people pleaser. I do sort of put people's desires and people's feelings ahead of my own. I'm a doormat for people. Well, okay. You're not just going to stop that overnight, but why not write about it? And I would say too, the more you write about it, the more you start to feel that kind of sickness about how, "Ah, I don't need to be that way. I don't need to do this. And you can begin to grow from this process. So start this damn thing and do not stop. Just like me five years ago. Then the, the real beauty here is that you can read that story back whenever you like, and you'll see how your lack of emotional control, your fear of new things, Your fear of criticism, your fear of judgment, uh, the need to be liked. You can see how all that has been created through repetition, right? The ego has told you that's who you are and you've now lived this story. But now you're one step closer to getting out of that story, to getting into a new story and taking control. Because from there, once we've got this record of our life, once we're being honest about what we're doing, saying, and thinking, we're looking maybe for defense mechanisms, for protective identities, for ways in which we're, you know being a perfectionist, that harsh inner critic that tells us we're wrong, we can start to identify ways that we're hurting ourselves. Well, then from there, it's pretty simple. We just can set some goals, right? Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm afraid of, right? Those are the two questions that we asked at the start. And you might as well ask yourself that in the journal. What am I afraid of? And what am I putting off? And now, what could I try? So it could be anything. It could be that social withdrawal, being a recluse. Maybe you have anger issues. Maybe it's that perfectionism, right? That fear of change. Are you are you like me overeating, addicted to pornography, addicted to marijuana? We're not telling you to stop. I've never told you to stop. I'm simply saying that you need to keep a record, become aware and realize that these are responses to something that has happened in your past. These are a character that you've become in your own ego story. And now you're looking to break free of that. Well, I don't, I don't need to always kick holes in the wall. I, I'm still going to do it, but I, I see why I do it now. You know, and I, I could maybe go out once a month with some people that I trust. I could, I could accept that maybe, maybe, maybe I could change. I could change the color of my bed sheets, I guess. You know, I I am a perfectionist. Everything has to be this way. But, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe my house doesn't have to be spotlessly clean every single day, every moment of every day. Or maybe, you know, I don't have to ride my son into the ground because he's not doing the things that I want him to do. Maybe I need to let somebody else break free of my my, uh, perfectionism. My ego is starting to spread around into my life and affect my relationships, whatever that looks like. This is starting to lead us into step two. Be aware, though, that your ego now is going to start going nuts once you start examining him, but you know, we've now moved into a place where we are aware of the ego, right? Before that, we were simply just operating on autopilot, but now we're beginning to start this relationship with the ego, right? We're going to look him in the face. We're going to say, hey, I see what you're doing. You're writing this story about me, and now you don't like that I'm kind of doing some editing on this story, It may take very small steps to start, right? Like I say, you're not going to end your perfectionism in one day, but you could let the house be a mess for a couple hours, huh? Smaller and smaller steps, whatever it takes to stop you from freezing, because these are the steps, these are the steps to self-control. From living on autopilot, unaware of why you're doing what you're doing, not getting the outcomes you want, feeling unhappy, to now you're looking your ego in the face and saying, I like what you're doing. I know you're trying to keep me safe, but that was a long time ago. I'm not growing anymore because of you. Why don't we work on writing the next chapter together? Because a healthy ego, at least as far as I can tell, I don't know about this whole ego death or ego dissolution. The ego's not going anywhere in my, in my life, in my world. A healthy ego can 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 have healthy relationships. It can hear criticism. It can assert its boundaries. It can go for what it wants in an acceptable way. That's a life that you can have. A healthy ego can control your emotions. A healthy ego doesn't make a mess of things. A healthy ego doesn't let fear rule. A healthy ego realizes that life is unpredictable and it's going to do its best to keep you on the straight and narrow. But this is a process, I would say, of becoming somewhat more open-minded. So in the next episode, we're going to move from this initial meeting, this initial awareness of how the ego is working, to beginning to form a partnership with the ego. We're going to talk about strategies for taking control of your physical body, right? beginning to act mindfully, beginning to further scrutinize our own actions. Because through that mindfulness and through that exploration of our behavior, and perhaps taking on some new behaviors that we'll talk about, we can break out of the chains of this story. We can stop being a character in the ego story and become the author of our story, author that next chapter and the next chapter and the rest of the story. So, that inner critic, that fear of change, that people pleaser, you know, those are all ways that we seek to reassert control in our life in the face of having lost control at one time or another. But that comes at the expense of not having control where we need it over our emotion, over our appetites, over our mental health, over what comes out of our mouth, over the way we treat other people. That's the shift we're looking to make. And it's the shift that I'm working on. And I'm happy to have you along with me. It's all slowly changing, but we're we're going from this crazy, insane, unconscious ego that's controlling us to taking conscious control and writing the life story that we want to live. I mean, do you have anything better to do? (laughs) I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. This was part two of a four-part series, so stay tuned for the next two episodes coming out to follow up. We'll talk about incorporating the ego and finally accepting uh, that which we can't control. That's all to come. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Please remember, better is possible.